Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. Well, folks, good Thursday evening to you. I hope that you've been enjoying this series that we're doing all this week regarding the Reformation. It is um, it's a joyous subject. We're talking about things that are at the heart of our faith as followers of Jesus Christ, regardless of denominational background, regardless of whether you are in the Eastern Orthodox tradition or the Coptic tradition or the Roman Catholic tradition or some Protestant tradition, Lutheran, Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever it might be, non-denominational, whatever it might be, these are truths that should be central to anybody who's a follower of Jesus. Unfortunately, People in various traditions often get confused, and sometimes people in leadership in the various traditions confuse the issue further. So we're going to talk about what the Bible says, which is what we always seek to do on these broadcasts. We started this series on the solas last Friday with kind of an introduction, and then on Monday we talked about sola scriptura, the fact that only the Bible is the final authority which God has given us to determine what's true, what's false, what's right, what's wrong, where do we go, what do we do, what should we believe. Doesn't mean there aren't any other authorities. It means that there has to be one that determines where the others are right or wrong. So if my tradition is at odds with the Scripture— then my tradition's wrong. If my pastor is at odds with the Scripture, then my pastor's wrong. If what I think and what I feel and what I'm comfortable with is at odds with the Scripture, I'm wrong. So Scripture is the authority that determines whether or not the other authorities are getting it right. Once again, we have in the studio, my son, Andrew Wood, my dear brother in Christ. And I'm so thankful that he's been able to join us as we look at these together. So tonight, we're talking about faith, only faith. What's the term for that, Andrew, the academic historic term for that? Sola fide. Now, sola fide sounds wonderful, but if you're like me and you like plain English... Only faith, faith alone. Now, what does that mean? We're going to talk about it. Andrew, why, I believe in Romans, why did the doctrine of only faith become so precious to the Reformers and to the churches that grew out of the Reformation? Well, starting with Martin Luther, Romans chapter 1 was very 
pivotal. It was actually what the Lord used to save him when he went back to the scriptures. Luther had been very distressed in his soul uh, for years, trying to understand God, just feeling like God was angry with him, like Luther was just not measuring up, just Mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't get to God. And uh, just, uh, he was an utter failure. And uh, that was actually a good thing that he realized Mm -hmm. that it was hopeless. He Mm -hmm. couldn't, he couldn't earn his way into heaven. Now, he was very what, religious. Very religious, very strict, one of the strictest. He was in the Augustinian order of monks, and he was known, actually, as being one of the most strict uh, monks there and would confess his sins for hours, would do all kinds of things just to try to punish himself for the bad things he had done. But then when he read Romans... One seventeen, it says, For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So he had heard official Roman Catholic teaching that he had to follow the sacraments, and that was how he was going to get in. But this puts... It off of him and on to someone else, and that someone else is Jesus. And so just the whole question of faith, when we're talking about faith, um, Hebrews 11 defines it for us. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And of course you've got Abraham uh, being one of the key figures, the father of faith, as he's called. So in Hebrews 11, we have the definition of faith. And so this was, this is something that you see throughout Scripture. I've been reading the Gospel of Matthew lately, and the thing that has uh, just stood out to me in this time through more than any other is how often Jesus refers to faith, someone's mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. It's just over and over and over and over again. So it's very, very uh, critical in Scripture, in the Christian life. So, right there in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And so it's important that we understand what that faith really is. Because and, faith is not something that is a work we do for, on our own, in our own strength. Faith comes from God. That's right. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, we read in Romans. Right, and also in Romans 14, it says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously this is one of the most fundamental doctrines that we have what is the hum- what is to be the human response either it's going to be sin doubting god rejecting god or it's going to be faith trusting god exactly and of course the question is well you know we've got nothing to bring but is it just saying i believe is it just that statement and no it's not because jesus said many will say lord lord on the last day. Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. Mm -hmm. You lived as if I didn't give you any commands to follow. Right. 
And so James beautifully describes in James uh, chapter 2, faith and works. As you've said so many times, it's a faith that works. Mm -hmm. If it is true faith in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, why were these people commended for their faith? Because their faith was shown to be genuine by their obedience. Yes. It was more than just a profession. It was a life lived in obedience to God. Now, I think through the centuries, there's often been a false uh, argument, really, between many Protestants and many Roman Catholics, where Roman Catholics have rightly said, Mm -hmm. if you say you believe, but your life doesn't back it up, that's not going to save you. And they're correct about that. It is Faith without works is dead. They're right about that. On the other hand, a lot of Protestants have said, you make it sound as if we have to work our way into heaven, that we're saved by what we do. And the Bible says it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. And so Folks on either side of this divide take pot shots at, at each other, but in, in both cases, they're often attacking a position that is not biblical. In other words, those who emphasize works as if it's faith plus works are wrong, and those who act as if you can have faith in isolation by itself and works are irrelevant— are also wrong. That's not scriptural either. It's not what Paul was saying, but it is at times what Protestants have said, and when Protestants say that, they're wrong. It's not about, you know, I'm, this, I hope folks will understand, this series is not about Protestants, yay, Roman Catholics, boo. It's about God, yay, <laughs> man, have mercy. <laughs> we need God's grace. Amen. And so God's grace manifests itself as people believe what he says, trust in him, and obey. And if it's faith without works, it's not real faith. It is not saving faith. But folks, it is faith that works. It is not faith plus works, and that is more important than many people realize, because if you begin to think, okay, faith is, faith is very important, but that's kind of God's part. He gives me faith. Now, I've got to do these works in order to make up the difference. God will do his part. I'll do my part. We get this false idea that somehow we're in partnership God doing his part, me doing my part, and the two of us pulling together can get this job done. That is not the biblical view. The biblical view is I can do nothing mm-hmm. in and of myself. And so when I have faith, it is not faith in faith. Mm-hmm. It is not faith in myself. It is not faith that does part of it and then my works do the rest. It is faith in Christ, and then that will result in good works. 
And even the passage we cite about grace through faith in Ephesians chapter 2 goes right on to say that God has works prepared beforehand Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. to do. So that's it all goes together. And I think sometimes our terminology referring to only faith, sola fide, Mm -hmm. confuses the picture because people don't understand what that means. And again, both Protestants and Roman Catholics often fail to understand the way that term should be applied. And that's why we want to talk about it. We want to make it clear it's not that you can have faith by itself with no works at all, and that'll still get you into heaven. No. Jesus is the one who gets you into heaven. It is what he has done that makes the difference. It is his righteousness. But if you're trusting in something other than him, if your faith is in the wrong thing, your faith is only as good as what you have faith in. If I have faith in my wife and my wife is faithful then it's well-placed faith. But if I have faith in my wife and she turns out to be like Hosea's wife, Gomer, then I have misplaced my faith. If you have faith in what you believe and in what you do as the means by which you're going to have eternal life, you're going to be like those in Matthew 7 saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. But if you are like the fellow who Jesus described, crying out to God and saying, God, be merciful Mm -hmm. to me, a sinner, that man, Jesus said, went home justified Mm -hmm. because he wasn't trusting in what he had done. He was depending upon God's mercy. Jesus said he was justified. Where did his justification come from? It came from God. It was by grace, and he received it through faith. Just and the justifier. That's right. God is both just and the justifier, Paul says in Romans. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about faith and its unique role in our transformation. I just wanted to compare a couple of passages that if if we only had these two verses... Uh, on this subject, you could see why people think, oh, that's that's a contradiction. I mean, you have Paul on the one hand, Romans 3, 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. And he builds this huge case about justification by faith. It is not of works, absolutely not of works. But then you flip over to James chapter 2, And he says this, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And then moving on down, verse 24, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And you see how those two verses, side by side, it's like, wait a second. They seem to be saying the exact opposite, but it's understood in, in the context of the fact that Paul is getting at a legal declaration, he's getting at a person's relationship vertically to God, how are we justified? How does God see us? What is the only way we can get to him? And Paul's saying, only by faith in Jesus Christ. James is writing in the context of more of a covenant community where we're looking horizontally 
at one another. And someone says, I have faith. And so the other person person should say, prove it. Mm-hmm. That's what James is talking about. He's saying, you, have, you say you have faith, well, show me. Show me that you have faith. The, the, James is not getting at our vertical legal standing before God. He's getting it more of prove it to those around you. Prove it to your brothers if you really are a brother. And I think it's important that we understand that's that's not just a bit of interpretation that you're reading into the text. That's precisely the context that James outlines. And right. he says that. He says, one will say this, the other says this. Mm-hmm. And so he's demonstrating in his epistle in the letter of James. He's demonstrating that within the body, we don't just accept as valid anybody who says, I am a Christian. Right. And God, absolutely, God is not confused about who is justified and who is not. But in the church, a lot of times, we can be, because there are many people who make false professions of faith. That's right. They don't have the fruit. They may have the gifts Uh, of even the Holy Spirit, but they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. And so they're saying, yes, I believe, yes, I believe, and yet their works are not demonstrating it. Well, and and Paul, in the letter to the Romans, is, as you said, outlining the means by which God saves us, not a means by which we save ourselves, but it is the way in which God saves us, much as Jesus was speaking in John chapter 3 when he said, unless you're born again, unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't even perceive the kingdom of God. This is a work that God does in us where he changes our hearts. He gives us faith. He takes the blinders off our eyes. He takes away the heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. All of this is God's work. God is the one who draws us to himself and gives us faith. Right. It comes from him. As many as he called, it is Amen. God's work drawing us to himself. Now, folks, this flies in the face of tons of teaching, not just some people in the Roman Catholic Church, but tons of Protestants who, who reject this entirely without understanding it. They just cast it aside because it doesn't square very well with what emotionally they are drawn to. Amen. The fact is, if, if I really understand this, this does not allow me to be prideful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't allow <laughs> me to pat myself on the back and feel that I'm a pretty good fellow because I figured all this out and I did the right thing. Instead, it causes me to be amazed by the grace of God because I realize I was dead in trespasses and sins. God made me alive. I owe him everything. I didn't bring something to the table, and then God said, well, that's pretty good. I'll make up the difference. I come to the table only with my need. Amen. Amen. And I, the, the difference between those who have faith and those who don't is shown by what Jesus says on the last day when he says, you have all of these people when he separates the sheep and the goats. And the goats, those who don't have faith, those who will be destroyed in the end, are those who the whole time they're saying, oh, well, wait a second, we did, we did do this, we did do this, we did do this, focused on themselves, what they did, how their confidence is in their works. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people who had faith the whole time looking to Christ, mm-hmm. 
But it's so obvious that their confidence was not in the things that they did because the whole time they're saying, when did we do that? Mm -hmm. When did we do that? And so that's really at the heart of the issue is those who have faith are looking to Jesus. They're looking off of themselves. Their total confidence is, is in him from first to last. It's not as though we see, oh, yes, this is, you know, the Holy Spirit's doing this work in me, and okay, now I'm going to put my confidence in that, right. in these works. No, my confidence, my only confidence is in Jesus Amen. and his righteousness. Amen. That's the only way that I'm going to stand before God. Amen. That, and, and folks, if you're listening tonight and you're saying, well, now, I've tried awfully hard. I know I'm not perfect, but I've tried awfully hard, and I think I'm doing the right stuff. And if there's something else I need to do, uh, I, 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 I want to do it. I want to do whatever I have to do in order to be saved. There was a jailer who said to Paul and Silas in the middle of the night, after an earthquake had pulled off everybody's chains and swung the prison doors open, he met with Paul and he said, what must I do to be saved? What does it take? What do I have to do? What did the Apostle Paul say to him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. So so it's the same for everybody. Totally putting all of your faith, all of your trust, all of your confidence in and on him, his person and work, what he accomplished, because he did what no one else could do. That's our faith. That is what it's all about. It is trusting in God's grace for us in Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved, ask him to save you and believe his promise. Mm -hmm. Now, please understand, if what you want in the way of salvation is simply to be forgiven and go to heaven and be your own boss, you're headed in the wrong direction. Salvation is not just about being forgiven salvation is about a brand new life with Jesus as Lord. And if you don't want Jesus as your Lord, you don't really want to be saved because salvation includes a brand new life. And Jesus is the Lord and it's life in the kingdom where he is king. So please understand this. We're not just talking about what do I have to do to be forgiven? That's not what the jailer asked. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? And to be saved means that you become a new creature. That's right. And, and Jesus very clearly says, John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Apostle John in 1 John says, you know those who are of the truth and those who are in error by the fact that they're following God's commands. Yes. Are you doing what he said to do or not. That's not what gets you into heaven, but it's it's the James type of justification that evidence to others mm-hmm. that you really truly believe in him. Yes. You believe in him? Okay. Now go do what he said. Right. And folks, without that, if your life doesn't back up what you're professing, then the Bible says you need to make your calling and election sure. Right. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's that's the real difference. So many people in America, cultural Christianity, confess, yeah, Jesus is my Lord, but they don't really believe. Yes. There's no faith in him. They, If they really believed that God raised him from the dead, that Jesus is alive, he's here, 
they would be following him. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, that's what we're talking about. We've got to go for tonight, but I hope you'll tune in tomorrow because tomorrow evening we're going to be talking about the fact that all the glory goes to God alone. So be sure and join us. If you have questions, be sure and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. Hi, this is Jim Wood. I'm very grateful for the privilege of teaching God's Word now for over 40 years. I've seen firsthand the power of the gospel changing lives for eternity. My wife and I have been blessed with seven children, four of them adopted. As parents and in our travels to other countries, we've seen again and again that the human heart is the same everywhere and everywhere we go. Jesus is the only one who can save. I hope that these broadcasts are an encouragement to you, and I want to ask you to take a moment to encourage us. First, please visit our website, pastorwood.org, to learn more about our work. Second, please pray for us that we'll remain faithful and that God will continue to use us to spread His Word around the world. And finally, if the Lord prompts you to do so, please support us financially. We're depending on our listeners to stand with us, and we're praying for God to bless you.